Hello and welcome back to Mining Stock Daily with me, Paul Harris. Today we're talking about copper exploration in South America, in Chile to be precise. And I have great pleasure to be joined by Paul Gow, CEO, and Thomas Schmidt, President of Tribeca Resources. Good afternoon, gentlemen. Well, good afternoon, Paul. Thanks for having us on. Yeah, afternoon, Paul. Excited to be here. Good to have you guys back on the show. Um, I visited the project back in January and um, the intervening six or seven months seems to have passed very, very quickly and suddenly it's time for an update uh, and a very opportune time to do that. Um, you're currently raising money. You announced you're doing a three million Canadian uh, non-brokered private placement and um, you've already agreed in principle with the uh, for two million, more than $2 million of that. So congratulations there. And you, you're able to bring in some new investors. So to the extent you can, bearing in mind that the financing hasn't yet closed, um, talk us about this financing, who it's with, and uh, what the market's like for trying to raise money for Copper Exploration Junior at the moment. Sure, Paul. Yeah, I mean, the, the market's obviously um, not not fantastic at the moment. Um, you know, talking to, talking to bankers in, in Canada, uh, one of one of them made a comment that you know in, in 37 years of being in the industry, this is close to the worst that they've seen it. So so the backdrop is is, is not fantastic. We've been able to access a combination of capital from a couple couple of new investors, all of it coming out of all of it coming out of Europe and all long-term patient capital from some sophisticated investors who understand the mining space. So we've been able to bring in two two new cornerstone investors. Who, who like the story? Uh, they, they like that. They like the team. They like what we're doing, um, and, and obviously the project as well. Um, and so, you know, to, alongside our existing cornerstone investor, who's coming in with a pro rata investment for for 14%, we've been able to put this financing together against a, a tough market backdrop. We're very, very, uh, very pleased with the, with the outcome so far. Well, thank you, Thomas. It must be sort of very reassuring that uh, one of the cornerst- original cornerstone investors is coming in for more, and plus the fact that you can attract attract new money. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's uh, it, this is a long term business, and you know, ideally, you want to try to match up the, the long term game that we're playing here with with long term patient capital, uh, and that's not always possible. Obviously, retail plays a massive part in this market, and you know, there's there's room for everybody in the in the capital structure, but you know. It, it is helpful to have those long-term patient uh, investors uh, in there supporting us, uh, looking, you know, not just as in a matter of weeks or months, but looking at years for uh, for an investment horizon potentially. Thank you, Thomas. Can I, can I dig into that a little bit more? Obviously, retail investors typically have a very short-term, uh, a very short attention span. Um, so the long-term investors that uh, you, you're bringing on, what, what's the message they're giving you in terms of, um, you know, They've obviously got a positive outlook on copper. They presumably understand that copper exploration takes multiple years to you know, define a project and advance it forward. So, so what, what's the message you've, been, you've, you've got from them, you've received from them? No, but you're, you're exactly right. The, the bullish on copper and the fundamentals um, and then and the need for more copper going forwards. And I think they've pro- probably got a view on, on the cycle as well. They're not being explicit about that, but that would be absolutely my guess, right? We talk about this market backdrop uh, and it is an opportune moment for somebody who does, does have a long-term view and who's able to make speculative investments. Um, and you know, large pools of capital can, can make small bets effectively. Uh, and if they've got a view and they do that across enough uh, companies and make enough bets, they put together a portfolio. And, and if their view turns out to be true in terms of the, you know, where copper's heading, 
and they timed that at a point in the market where um, you know it seems like, and nobody knows, but it seems like we're certainly not at the top and are potentially near a bottom, and who knows when that's uh, that's going to turn. But if they can get that timing aspect right as well and do it across a number of companies, then uh, they should be in a position to make outsized returns. Okay, thank you. I'd, I'd like to bring Paul into the conversation now, if I may. Uh, Paul, you're currently in La Serena mm. in Chile uh, you know, at the project. So... Um, Assuming that the three million financing closes and you raise the three million, what are you going to do with the money? Let's get up to speed with the the, the La Higuera project. You completed phase one drilling. Um, maybe let's start there. Give us a summary of you know phase one, what its aims were, and what you achieved, and then we can talk about what you're going to spend this this money on going forward. Yeah, certainly. Thanks, Paul. Yes, and, and, and you mentioned it was six months ago that you were at, at the project site, and that, that was back in, in January of this year, January 2023. Uh, at that stage, we were still drilling. I, I recall you and I went out to see our, um, I think it was maybe the, the, the drill platform for hole number six of seven that we drilled at our Gabby target, and then we drilled two more holes down at our southern target, um, Chisposo. And we, we planned to sort of split the drilling 50-50, but we were getting such such great results at, at Gabby. Uh, that that we uh, we ended up doing a lot more of the drilling there. Um, so at that stage, we hadn't had any assays uh, come back. So the assays from our first hole came back, and we put them out at the end of end of uh, January. And that first hole came, came back with a great intersection. It was uh, I think 268 meters at uh, about 0.75 percent um, copper equivalent. That's copper and gold, uh, and and a little bit of cobalt uh, was in there, but basically 0.66 copper through that interval. Um, so, so that was incredibly encouraging as a start, and, and that was actually a 100-metre step out from the historic drilling, so, so, so that was nice to um, you, you know, start to build a bit of size. Uh, and then following on that, uh, uh, we drilled a couple more holes uh, around that area uh, or, or a bit off to the east, uh, but then, then we said, well, let's, let's chase this thing further north. So then we did two large step outs, holes six and seven, which were 250 metres each. Uh, and, and pleasingly, they came back with, with really nice intersections. Similar sort of uh, thickness, uh, 260 to 280 metres down hole. And, uh, and one, one was uh, 0.27 copper and the other was 0.31 uh, copper, I think, across those intervals. So we, we have a lot of confidence now and, and the very pleasing results so, so that it's a, a basically a kilometre strike length that we've drilled this system now. And the thickness seems to be holding up. The grade is variable between about um, 0.3 and, and 0.66 copper over those those large thicknesses. So, you know, in, incredibly encouraging. I guess we, or, or certainly I'm, and, I, and I'll speak on Thomas's behalf as well, we, we feel like we really have the tiger by the tail with this system. It's open to the north uh, and still with depth. Um, and, and so we think there's a lot of potential um, so that was great. And, and then that, I guess, gets on to the second part of you, your question, Paul, which was about the, um, the funds and, and what we're going to do with them. So I'm, I'm actually here in La Serena. I was out in the field this morning. We're starting to plan our, our next drill program. We're looking at four to 5,000 uh, metres of drilling, um, probably 4,000 metres of that at, at the Gabby target, uh, and, and we're leaving 1,000 metres in reserve for, um, for either other targets that come out of some other field work we're doing at the moment on the project or, uh, or anything that's specifically at Gabby needs, needs following up. So, um, so, so that's, that's what we're up to, and that's what that funding will be used for uh, once this financing is successfully completed. Excellent. Well, thank you, Paul. Um, so you, you've been successful with the step-out holes at Gabby, as you said, um, two holes, 250-metre step-outs each to the north. Um, so with, with this 4,000 metres you've got planned for Gabby, is that going to be continuing to step-out or doing a couple of in-fill in holes? 
Yeah, look, the, um, the, the drug program, I guess, has really three, um, th three goals. One is to, to do step-outs further to the north and, and to increase the size of this system. Uh, based on the geophysical data we have to date, we, we expect that this system will continue another 600 metres to the north. As, as always, you know, you need to be wary, wary this is geophysical data undercover, so not, not outcropping rocks. Um, the second thing we want to do is drill a, drill, uh, drill a couple of holes so that we have drill sections across two parts of this system so that we can better understand its geometry. Um, and, and then that'll aid, aid in better targeting down the track. And then the third, uh, the third objective of the drill program is to, to better understand the grade distribution. So we, we have this incredibly large envelope of mineralisation, but we really want to understand where the high grade is and what's controlling it within that envelope. Mm. Okay, so what, once the phase two drilling's complete, presumably that'll take a few months, you know, looking ahead towards the end of the year, where do you hope uh, Tribeca and the Gabby project or Laguerre Higuera project will be. Well, well, it, it's it's interesting. Our, our our objective from our first drill program was was to determine the extent of the mineralisation, so we could then start thinking about um, you know resource the drilling and all that sort of stuff. But uh, we failed spectacularly because the mineralisation just keeps getting bigger and bigger, and it's still open, which is fantastic. Um, so so I'd say we have a somewhat similar um, objective with this drill program is is to try and understand the size of the mineralisation. Uh, and, and then once we once we get there, um, we're, we're now starting to think about things like uh, metallurgical test work, etc. There was some done back in 2006, some great flotation test work, uh, but but that's the sort of thing that we really need to start getting a handle on as well. Okay, thank you, Paul. Um, can I bring Thomas back in now? Um, in in the presentation, you talk about um, you also continue to look for other consolidation opportunities. Can you flesh out a bit more what you mean there? I mean, are, are you looking at Chile? Is it other IOCG potential targets or other potential copper targets? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think we're in a position where where we can somewhat afford to be op opportunistic in where we look, and we're going to look where we see value and where we see things that are that are mispriced. But certainly uh, the, the, the team's capabilities and, and the strategy of the company is very much focused on the IOCG opportunity in the, in the Chilean coastal belt, which we feel is, is significantly underexplored. And it's really about bringing Paul's Australian mindset and some of the more up-to-date techniques that get applied in the, in the Gawler Craton and in the Cloncurry district in, in Australia, which are two other of the big IOCG terrains and, and, and in the Carajas to a, to, to, to a similar extent, and bringing that to Chile, where historically the focus has been on looking for the big porphyries up at high altitude. So, so, so our business development activities are, are very much focused on Chile, and we are seeing good opportunities there. Obviously, in a market where funding is is less available than, than it has been historically, um, you know, is, is a, it should be a good time to be looking around. And then you, you layer on top of that uh, as, a, as a backdrop the fact that the Chilean annual concession fees are due to go up, go up by a factor of four times in, in March 2024. And then you have some speculators there in Chile, and you've always had that, who, who, who suddenly you know, might have been sitting on a mining project that you know, their friend who was a geologist told them to get into, even though they didn't know anything about mining, and they were maybe paying five or $10,000 a year, and they were able and willing to carry that kind of cost as a lottery ticket effectively but now that goes up to 20 or 40,000 dollars a year and suddenly that's too much of a burden so we've actually seen quite a bit of uh, of projects starting to uh, starting to shake loose as a result of that impending change in the in the uh, in the annual license fee that that's a 
a hugely positive development, isn't it? Because uh, one of the issues for exploration, copper exploration, particularly in Chile over over the years, has been the difficulty in getting land because it's the cheap holding costs and the fact that there's no use it or lose it sort of provisions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, it's 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 it, 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 it's double sided, right? Because our carrying cost is going to go up as well. The the current cost is about seven dollars US, just under seven dollars US a hectare. We've got just over four thousand hectares. So from our project, you know, that will that will go up from 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 thirty to about to about to about one twenty. Um, but you know, it, it, in the, in the it, it, seen against the sort of quality of the project that we've been able to unearth here, that that that's obviously well worth carrying. So it's a bit of a double-edged sword, but yeah, absolutely. And just on your point earlier about where where we're looking, I mean, the, the absolute focus is Chile, as I've said. Um, if we were going to look at ju- different jurisdictions, obviously geologically the, the IOCG belt does extend into southern Peru. So from a purely technical and geological perspective, that, that's something that potentially down the road would be interesting to us. And then um, obviously Brazil, we mentioned, and Australia, the other two. Brazil is a, is a, is a potentially interesting one as well. Paul, Paul spent five, five years there with Extrata exploring up in the Carajas and had some success with a, with a discovery there, a project called Petrobranca. Um, which uh, which we discovered or Paul discovered when we were at Extrata together in uh, in about 2008. Um, so we do have some uh, we do have some uh, some Brazilian uh, expertise there, and we do do keep our eyes close to the ground. So if we were going to go outside Chile, which which I don't think we will kind of in the near term, but P- Peru and Brazil would be the, the the two obvious places there. And I might just add that that discovery Paul made was um, we we sold that to an Aussie junior called Avanco Resources, who later. Uh, was acquired by Oz Minerals for just over 300 million US dollars, um, and, they, and they put that into production about 18 months ago. So, um, and it's now sitting with BHP, presumably uh, on the divestment list, as it were. But you know, for, 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 from Paul's perspective, and also from the perspective of our story and what we're trying to do here with with uh, with, with La Higuera, you know, the idea that you can, as Paul has done, make a discovery, watch it come into production in in in, in your own in your own lifetime, which is probably not all that common. Um, and ideally, this time around, do it with some some real skin in the game, uh, which is which is what we're trying to do here with Tribeca Resources. Excellent. Um, one other sort of development, or not development, one other thing that's happened since I last visited, you, you've now got a, a US listing, an OTCQB listing. Tell us about that and why you've taken that. Yeah, it's really just uh, you know recognizing that there is a large pool of capital south of the border. Uh, and, and about wanting to try to uh, wanting to try to access that. So it, it's early days for us. That the listing has not a bunch of value by itself. It requires work and it requires outreach, and, and we're prepared to put in the work. We've got something of a network in the in the U.S. already, just through our industry contacts, uh, and, and we're working hard to to make that to make that listing worthwhile for us. Can I just um, for either of you throw out quite an oblique question? Um, it's interesting you talk about the U.S. because copper is not yet on the the U.S. list of critical minerals. Uh, Freeport Matt Moran is saying it should be. The USGS response has basically been, well, look, there's so much copper available in friendly countries such as Chile, such as Peru, that you know copper isn't critical from from the geopolitical perspectives. That being the case, going forward at some point, is is there potential? for a company like Tribeca to be able to access U.S. federal funds for exploration and development of La Higuera or another project? Uh, that's a great question, and it, it, it's not something that we've closely looked at. And, 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 I, and I, I did spend a bit of time probably six months ago when there were some rumors that copper was about to get, get included. Spent a bit of time looking at the USGS definition, and, and, and you've hit the nail on the head. 
Um, you know, there are, I think there are three criteria, and, and Copper, unfortunately, uh, fails spectacularly on, on one of those criteria, which, which is, you know, where it's located around the world. And, and there's not much Copper in kind of unfriended jurisdictions, as, as you point out. So unless the, unless the criteria changes there, I don't, I don't see Copper getting included near term. But again, I'm not a geopolitical expert, so I mean, who knows? People might overrule the, the, the USGS de definition, right, from a political perspective and, and make, a, make an executive decision, so to speak. Um, in terms of the federal funding, yeah, I mean, that, that is a possibility down the road. Uh, obviously, Chile and U.S. have very, very good relations from a, from a trade perspective. So, you know, that's certainly something that we'll, uh, we'll keep an eye on. But for now, we're very focused on accessing the, the traditional sources of funding, which for a company at our stage, it's, it's, it's not debt, it's, it's not royalty funding, it, it's, it's, it's traditional risk-tolerant equity capital, and, and, and that's what we're going after. Uh, you know, and a combination of, as we talked about at the, at the beginning, you know, patient capital and, and, and also hopefully some, some, some retail capital. We're keen to bring people in and, and come along for the ride. And, uh, you know, we, <clears throat> we've, raised, we've raised this money at, at 33 cents. You know, it was eight months ago that we listed at 26 cents. Since then, you know, people invested pre-listing at 26 cents. Um, you know, when they invested, we hadn't drilled and had the results that we've got yet. We didn't have the listing. So either the people that came in at 26 cents in February last year overpaid, or the people that are getting in at 33 cents today are underpaying. I'm not sure which it is, or maybe it's somewhere in between. But, um, you know, it's certainly we feel like there's an opportunity for people to, people to get in and, uh, on what is still a relatively early story when, when you look at a 17 million market cap versus, you know, an, an aspirational peer, I think we would call it, like Marimaka, which is sitting... Uh, just shy of, uh, of 400 million uh, market cap. Uh, I guess you may know the answer to that question relatively soon, Thomas, because uh, from what I understand, you've got the, the company's got some in-the-money warrants that are due uh, or that uh, expire in uh, August. Mm. Tribeca does, you mean? Yeah. Or Maribaca, sorry. Tribeca. Yeah, no, yeah, 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 no, absolutely, yeah. So we'll see if they get exercised. Okay, great stuff. Well, I wish you the best of luck closing the financing and then obviously with the phase two drilling. Tribeca Resources trades on the CV under TRBC and on the OTCQB under TRRCF. Paul Gow, CEO, and uh, Thomas Schmidt, President, thank you very much for joining us today. Thanks, Paul. Great to Thanks speak to you. Thanks very much, Paul. And that's all from me, Paul Harris. Stay tuned for more from Mining Stock Daily. The information presented should not be considered investment advice. Mining Stock Daily and its affiliates are not responsible for any loss arising from any investment decision in connection with the material presented herein. Please do your own research or speak with a licensed financial representative before making any investment decisions.